Hey, it's Nick. Thank you for listening to the Upgraded Executive Podcast. We are bringing you insights from experts from around the world so you can improve your personal and professional performance. Our guest today is Bob Troyer. Bob is a New York City-based technology entrepreneur and a prominent voice in the biohacking and quantified self-communities. Bob is combining his passion with purpose, building solutions focused on the intersection of data-driven citizen science, health and wellness, human performance, longevity, and self-optimization. Bob is also commonly known as Quantified Bob. This episode is called Quantified Self, Tracking Biometrics for Optimal Performance. In this episode with Bob, we discuss Bob's background and his call to action, the metrics that Bob personally tracks, Bob's views on tracking sleep and the gut microbiome, We also discuss internal work and how you can quantify it, the weirdest experiments that Bob has done, and where you can start with tracking your own biometrics. If you are enjoying the videos and podcasts, we would really appreciate it if you could subscribe to our podcast and like and subscribe to the YouTube videos. If you would like to get access to our content one week before it's officially released, then please leave your details at www.upgradedexecutive.com forward slash subscribe and we will send you a special link each week so you can watch the episode one week before it's officially released. Let's jump into the episode with Bob Troyer. Welcome Bob Troyer to the Upgraded Executive Podcast. Thanks for having me. No, it's great to have you here. So Bob, I'd like to get started with just a little bit of uh, understanding around your background and what led you into biohacking. Sure. So my background is really in software development and technology. Uh, I've been working in the space for several decades. Uh, started my career as a software engineer, built some businesses over the years that were in the technology-driven digital marketing space. Yeah. Uh, so I've always had this kind of technical, kind of inquisitive mind, um, even going back to childhood, teens, et cetera, where I was trying to start measuring and tracking things, understanding, for example, in sports and performance. And, um, you know, we didn't have the, the tools or technologies we did today, but um, I, I just think it's something that's been carrying it. It's been a constant thing throughout my entire life. Um, and, and really, uh, you know, the, the sort of biohacking side of things really emerged out of another community called the Quantified Self Movement, mm-hmm. which was a, which launched about, yeah, probably about 10 years ago or so, where people were sort of getting together to kind of share their common interest in, in understanding themselves better through data. Um, not necessarily all about biohacking or health or the body. It could be anything you know in, within life. It could be things like driving your car or tracking what books you read, et cetera. Mm. Um, within that community, though, there was definitely a focus, a lot of it around understanding our, uh, and optimizing our, our, our biology, our health, et cetera. I think given my background and exposure to both communities, I think that's what's kind of allowed me to sort of apply both principles and, and f- figure out like, not just what works or doesn't work, but it's really about what works for me. And mm. you will have different results, most likely. And so that's the beauty of what we call single subject <laughs> experiment design. Many of the people that we've spoken to that has sort of entered the space around biohacking or health optimization, I've found a lot of them have had some kind of call to action, whether it's been some kind of health-related issue or something else going on in their life. Have you had anything in that space, Bob, where you really thought, you know, I really need to fix that thing. There was, I would say a call to action was really where I, I actually thought I was 
doing great. Like I, I was working out every day, exercising, mm-hmm. playing sports. I was in a band, playing music, doing all these things. And I was, I was staying at the top of my game in like all areas of life. But there was this kind of moment where I, I was kind of like just out of energy. I was exhausted mm-hmm. and I kind of broke down, but like nobody could see it. <laughs> and I was just like, I was inside, I was just exhausted. Um, and I had to sort of figure out like, what was I doing wrong? That what was going on? And that kind of led me down the path of starting to work with functional integrative practitioners, looking at Mm -hmm. underlying issues, realizing these things that have been lingering in my body for years that I've just been able to sort of kind of bury, right. Put off and still be able to maintain a high level of performance, but it catches up to you at some point, even my mentality around things like diet and nutrition, I was Mm -hmm. realizing, wow, I, I thought what I was eating was super, super clean and healthy. And and I, and I had to kind of change that mindset for myself that I was eating this like super healthy diet, you know, super like no fat, like eating lean, like chicken, no skin, you know, basically egg whites and, and all these things that like I had to rethink the way I eat. And and by adding in things like for me, like uh, healthy saturated fats and, and, and just shifting my uh, nutrient composition and things, I was just like, I, it just gave me so much more energy, things like testosterone levels jumped up. And, and like, I was like, wow, I mean, this is, you know, pretty was pretty eye-opening, but the gateway to that was really just something as simple as, you know, putting some butter and MCT oil in your coffee and you realize you're getting some of these fats in the morning that you, you get this like cognitive um, kind of uh, improvement where I was just like, wow, I feel I'm on, you know, I'd go to work and I was like, <laughs> like I'm super sharp. I'm getting a thing, bunch of things done. Um, and, you know, and that for me was like the kind of the gateway. And I think for a lot of people that is, and it's not about measuring anything and it's that's subjective through lab testing and other things, realizing, well, yeah, you know, you got bit by a tick 15 years ago when you caught it very early and there's like Lyme disease, you didn't really have the symptoms, but there's a lot of things like co-infections and they shot you up with a lot of antibiotics that wrecked your gut and you've got all these issues going on, uh, you know, kind of under the hood that um, I was, I would, you know, kind of was really opened my eyes to like, wow, you know, there's a lot of things going on. And that kind of led me down a path of, you know, how do you, as you peel, you know, we use this analogy about peeling back the layers of the onion. Like you kind of just go deeper and deeper and learning yeah. more about yourself and being like, what else is going on here? And, um, and you can keep going, you know, pretty much all the way down. But, um, and it, but I, I spent years sort of building, you know, rebuilding things and getting myself back to, to a place where I was like, wow, okay, now everything's firing on all cylinders. And, you know, and then it's all about, okay, now you maybe, let's say you feel great, but how do, can I even feel better? Because you realize... Yeah. At some point when you feel good, even if you thought you were good and you feel better, you're like, well, that means I was going through life with, you know, there's analogy, another analogy of like the having like the parking brake on your vehicle on mm-hmm. and you're driving and it's like dragging you along, but you're like, yeah. good, you're moving. But when you take that brake off, you're like, whoa, this is amazing, you know? And I, and I think, you know, that's, that's sort of the long-term sort of thing we all seek. Um, you know, we seek, we seek this level of optimization, um, self-optimization. And, you know, let's say we, we can never get to 100%, but you know, but that's a great goal to have. And even if we get 90% of the way there, 95, I, you're going to feel better than when you're at 50. Um, that's that's how I look at things. Bob, can you just take us through some of your favorite things that you track on a consistent basis? Sure, I would say, you know, we have to think of tracking as um, a, a number of uh, like layers in that mm. there's things that you want to largely have being tracked passively. So it's not a burden to you. The data is there, even if you're not even going to ever look at it, you've got yeah. the data. Maybe you can go back a year from now, two years from now. Um, and then you've got things that are done kind of more like you have to do the intervention. So, so let's say that the passively tracked stuff could be things like, you know, anyone who's wearing some kind of sleep activity tracker, this it's collecting that information. And I don't think it has to be burdensome or, you know, 
tracking a million things. I, I mean, there's as much to be said about things like subjective variables, like how do you feel? What's your mood? You can on a scale of one to five and just start mm -hmm. tracking it and see, or, you know, and then you kind of find like the trends and see like, why was, why was this dipping over these weeks or days? And you can figure out what else was going on in your life that maybe affected that. I have like sensors in my home that will track air quality, et cetera. So I can, for example, see how environment affects my sleep, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, like we're all probably have some kind of smart scale. We're looking at body composition, you know, day-to-day -day and keep in mind that that stuff's what, you know, the body composition part of those scales can be off pretty significantly, even day to day. But really what you want to look at is if you've got enough data, you can actually draw a trend line. And if you know, it's overshooting and undershooting by a certain amount, you'll actually see a pretty accurate um, trend line there. And then what I would do is maybe like once, uh, once every, let's say maybe six months, I would go do what's called a DEXA scan, which yeah. is, uh, it creates like, a, it kind of looks into you and you can find really um, accurate um, body composition assessment, bone density, et cetera. There's cool like 3D body scanners now that will you stand on a podium and it basically has these like um, depth cameras that will create a 3D model of your body. So for a lot of people that are um, less concerned about knowing what the actual number of percentage of body fat or something is, they just want to see like am I, am I changing my appearance changing or you know my gaining muscle of my arms and losing some in the waist. You can actually see it you know month to month, let's say, and it takes like a minute to do. And there's facilities that have these these uh, devices. It's not that expensive. On the recovery side and, and readiness, uh, heart rate variability. Yeah. Um, so I'll I'll often do a before I even get out of bed in the morning. The first thing I do when I wake up is I, I do like a two minute reading um, uh, to get heart rate variability, which um, which which will be a different value than if you wear certain devices that are going to track overnight heart rate variability mm -hmm. while you're sleeping. Uh, the numbers will be different, uh, but it's it's really just about again trends, and you can figure out when. The numbers off, just way way off. It's kind of like okay, you know, you you should not train super hard today, or you can actually if you start seeing it dip, dip, dip over days. You can actually almost predict like you're going to get sick. Um, you know, and there's certain things you just know, like if you, you know, went out to a birthday party or celebration the night before, and maybe someone had a you know a few too many glasses of wine. Like the next day, you're you're gonna you you know, and you don't need <laughs> you probably don't need to measure HRV to know like you're pretty much you know you should take it easy that day. Um, so I'll look at things like that. Um, Periodically, it's good to do some checks on things like um, like blood pressure. Um, there's, there's home blood pressure cuffs that you can get really inexpensively. Um, it's a nice thing to trend. Um, you know, you don't have to do it every day. It's, but instead of going to the doctor once a year and they take a reading, which is already going to be elevated, it's just by going into like a doctor's office or a little. Yeah. You probably ran there. You're running late. Um, it's good to kind of do it in a very relaxed setting at home. You do one in the morning, one in the evening, um, just to see. It's a good good thing to trend. Um, to understand, you know, are you are, are you dealing with some some you know potential hypertension issues, things like that, depending on experiments or diet, etc. Like I, I will track my blood sugar, so glucose tracking. Uh, yeah. You can there's a you know you can get inexpensive glucose meters that um, you just prick your finger, take a reading, um, and and you can just do fasted readings to kind of understand your baselines and see how we, you know are you are you in a pretty good what's considered a optimal zone range for that or if you're trying to actually look at things like I've done experiments with seeing how certain foods or meals affect the, the spike you get um, and, and you want to minimize the, how high the glucose rises and for how long. Um, and it becomes, it can become a little burdensome in that if you're taking like every hour, 15 minutes, like readings with your, you know, it's you're pricking your finger over and over. So now there's these continuous glucose monitors you can get where um, it'll, you, they have, it's like a little, 
uh, about that big of a sensor. It goes in the back of your arm and it's tracking constantly and you can pull the data off so you can see what's happening and like you're sleeping. Again, it's very passive. So it's nice to have. The only challenge is they're you know, a little bit expensive and they last for about two weeks max. So it's probably something I would throw on once every maybe three months if I'm going to do it. And I try to maximize the time I have it on by if I'm trying to gain any insights or do any experiments. You know, that's the day-to-day stuff. That's really a kind of the, you know, you don't have to go too complicated with it. Um, there's a lot of things like you can go crazy with lab tests. You can go crazy with all these devices and gadgets and things that um, you may use every day or not. Like, I mean, I've got a whole sort of room full of weird equipment and gear. And, and you know, some of the things it's cool to break out every now and then or use for like a week and then put it back away. You don't need to do it every day. Cause I think, you know, we're, we're, we're all burdened with time, right? So like, I think a lot of people get scared away from a lot of this tracking because they realize it's 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 going to be time consuming. And I and I want people to understand that it doesn't have to be. And for me, it might seem like I, I, like I track a lot of things and do a lot of data collection, but it's something I've built over years. So I, I've built these layers that allow a lot of it to be passively collected. So I'm not spending, you know, hours a day trying to track things. Or, you know, I can, I'm, uh, things are largely being collected. I can, uh, I can, go back and look at the data later if I need to, or, you know, check, test a theory or find some cool, interesting insight or correlation. And um, that's how I, that's how I've you know, been approaching it. But I think people can start just very, you know, on a very simple level, um, just trying to understand themselves a little more. People get really kind of worked up about the information from sleep. And, and you have to realize that even the best sleep tracker out there is probably, and that, you know, this is what I just heard anecdotally, it's probably maybe 60, in terms of sleep stage detection. Yep. Maybe 55, 60%, you know, so I tell people what's more important when you're looking at sleep data is understanding that, okay, you know, what time did you fall asleep? What time did you wake up? Uh, were there interruptions during the night? Because to me, that is the most, it's about sleep timing, sleep consistency, and and, un, and uninterrupted sleep. Um, and, and I think, you know, where something's saying like, like I have a similar issue, I have an aura ring as well. Now, with me, it's actually the opposite. I see it gives me very little REM. So, mm. but what I realized was after talking to some other people, I started looking at their hands and I was like, well, I've played sports. I've broken fingers and things. So my knuckles are, have, they have a certain shape. So the ring has to kind of get over the finger and sit a certain way. And, uh, and I realized that a lot of people have similar type of fingers. I always have lower REM <laughs> reporting on the device. Um, I also wear multiple devices to sleep because I look mm. for second and third opinion on some things. And I also tell people like, you know, we have to keep in mind, like, don't accept that you, you're collecting data, but understand the context, understand that things can have some, everything has a margin of error, even when you're tracking blood sugar, glucose and all that. You're absolutely right. You know, the devices aren't 100% accurate and therefore, would you say people should be looking at the trends and really focus on the trends more rather than comparing their data point to somebody else's data point. Well, yes. And also, I think people tend to go right into the like, they start tracking their sleep and then they start obsessing over like why they're not getting yeah. enough deep sleep. And I was like, well, you're st- you have to start up here first. Understand like, am I getting enough sleep? Am I getting uninterrupted? You know, and then you can go deeper and deeper. But some people want to start all the way down at like the super like detailed pieces of information. And um, and so I often tell people to do is, um, this is something anyone can do actually, if you, if you have a sleep tracker. Um, you keep you can keep wearing it and whatever, but start trying to predict what it says. So you wake uh-huh. up in the morning, you wake up in the morning, and you're actually training yourself to be in tune with your body and go, you know, how do how do I feel? Um, yeah, and you kind of you know think of a REM. So the way we used to do this back in athletics and stuff, their coaches would ask us, 
they were trying to understand how many sleep cycles we had. So they were mm -hmm. like, how many dreams, how many dreams did you have last night? Because each dream is a sleep cycle. It's telling you how to, you know, you go from deep sleep to light to REM back down and you go through cycles overnight. Most of your deep sleeps are earlier in the night. Mm -hmm. Most of the REM gets closer and closer. The cycles get shorter as you get closer to waking up. Um, but you can sort of wake up every morning and just go, you know, how do I feel? Uh, am I refreshed? Am I whatever? And you, you try to like, uh, and that works with things even like heart rate variability. I'll, you know, I'll often, that, that's, a, that's like one number. I can often just be like, how do I feel right now? I don't think it's any flaw necessarily in the, in the hardware. I think there's, you know, L, things like user error, like it's going to, you know, if a ring's spinning around on your finger and the sensors are all in one spot, sure, that can happen. How much internal work that you've done, either using technology or mindfulness and how that equated with the other stuff that you're talking around in terms of maximizing sleep, energy and diet, but how much um, internal mind work that you've, uh, you've done? Um, I, would, I would say the internal mind work is a more recent development or set of tools I've added. Um, main, for me, largely it's uh, because I'm very technology driven. Um, I was a little hesitant about things like meditation, mindfulness and all that for, you know, for a number of years. Um, and I was basically like, well, if I can measure it, you know, things like the, there's like the Muse headband and things have come out that let people kind of see what's going on. There's a device called uh, M-Wave. It's an inner balance uh, by HeartMath. And what it does is it tries to get you to breathe, but um, you're following a little breath pacer and it's trying to get what's called a state of coherence where your heart variability and your breathing and, and your blood pressure, et cetera, are all in sync. Um, and it's supposed to, it, it's a stress re reduction tool, essentially. Um, you learn how to kind of do that over time. I then got into deeper sort of breath work, like Wim Hof style breathing and these other techniques that um, uh, folks like Dan Brule and other folks. And those are, those are things that like, just take a few minutes a day like I, I feel a pretty big shift in myself if I do that in the morning um, or any, you know, you can basically do breath work anytime. There's different mm -hmm. breathing patterns that will in, bring the body into different states. Um, so I definitely go in that route, um, you know, and in terms of other tools, like because I'm a technology guy, so I'm like, <laughs> I, my, my long-term girlfriend is, she's a mindfulness meditation instructor and yoga instructor. So she comes at it from one direction. And I come at it from a different direction, but we realized long ago that we're trying to get to the same place. I'm just a guy that's like, I just have to prove and quantify and measure like, why is it, what's actually happening? So I've done things like, um, I'll often use um, tools like binaural beats. So audio and, and light entrainment. It's basically you can get the mind, you can put the body into a state. So for 20 minutes, it's almost like I go off on this like power nap, but not actually falling asleep. And then you snap out of it. And, um, and I've done that through, combinations of uh there's mostly well binaural beats or it's audio based a lot of people are going to use um apps that perhaps walk you through a like a five or ten minute meditation which i think are great um for people and you you know especially if you're you realize like you have to start very simple and then you gain the experience being more aware of your body and you can take it a little deeper and deeper um but sometimes i'm just looking for the shortcut <laughs> which, which i guess some people argue that that's not from a mindfulness meditation standpoint, like, are you, you know, if you're trying to perhaps resolve some issues in yourself, like maybe I'm not dealing with it still, but it's like, you're just giving yourself the chance to recover and have some, um, you know, a, a state for a little while. But, um, so there's, you know, there's all, all sorts of tools. Breath work. I actually enjoy it. I really enjoy it. I enjoy going pretty deep on the breath work. I enjoy, you know, you even start combining it with things like cold exposure and all of that. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, it doesn't cost anything like we're, you know, we, a lot of these folks in the biohacking world, it's all about going and buy cool tools and gadgets and spending all this money. And, and, you know, 
breathing's free. <laughs> it's like there's really no, you don't have to spend any money. I guess utopia is going to be, we have all of this passive monitoring that is that is going on. We're able to say, take our genetics, our blood work, um, hormone panel, and then be able to combine it all and then give that sort of like a really good 360 view of where we are now and then what we need to address in the future. No, exactly. I mean, that's the, we're all seeking this like magic. Um, I always tell people it's this like a check engine light that, you know, it's kind of show us where we're at. Um, and so some of it obviously are more like, like genetics where, okay, this is what you were born with. And, you know, you may have a, a certain percentage predisposition to things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, then you have to layer on top of that epigenetics, which is the effects of our lifestyle and our environment. Cause that's stuff that can change more acutely. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, then the data. So then there's kind of like, what were you born with? What are you doing long-term that's affecting things? And then where are we day to day? So when you wake up in the morning, it says, Hey, Bob, you should take these vitamins today and you need to do this and you should exercise. And this is going on and go to sleep, sleep at this time. And so, yeah, I, I think that's the, where we, we want it all to go. It's this sort of like, um, you know, it, I, I can go through my life, be very productive and efficient and, and just something guiding me to tell me what to do, whether it's, you know, automated through technology or some combination of a team of practitioners, um, coaches, et cetera. So I think, um, yeah, it, we're, you know, we're getting there. It's just uh, like, we're, we're able to measure a lot of things now that we just, you know, even five years ago, we couldn't. So we look at things like microbiome testing and all of that. And mm. it's largely like they, it's like they can measure everything, but they don't quite know yet what they're looking at. So it's one thing to say to people, like you've got these percentages of the different bacteria and, and stuff in your gut. Um, but in terms of like, where you know looking at that needle in the haystack and what does that really all mean um what's the other stuff they're detecting in there and so there's a few companies now where they're saying okay what's the what's the sort of low-hanging fruit in terms of like insights we can give people we can actually turn this microbiome data into something actionable and the first thing that's happening now is there's a couple companies that are able to basically by based on your the makeup of your microbiome at the at the time you took the test so keep in mind it's always going to be shifting and changing um they're able to make dietary recommendations in terms of knowing which foods will do things like spike your blood sugar, things that uh, your body responds to better or worse. And so I think the personalized nutrition side of that is the first, because they're not making any like medical, they can play in the wellness space. And I think um, they've done enough um, research. There's been a lot of studies that show they can validate that their, their sequencing, their testing on microbiome actually can accurate, do some accurate predictions. So, um, and I think that's something that anyone, any consumer can, um, Get, you know, it's like saying, instead of just saying, I, I went and did a, a microbiome test and it gave me all this information, about all these bacteria. I'm like, I don't know what to do with it. And most people don't know. They don't care. Mm, yeah. Or like, but they want to know, like, I did the test and it's telling me like, you know what? I should not be eating that. I should be eating more of that because actually that's going to help my body actually respond better to that. Um, and that's, that's a, a, you know, a, a good way of how a lot of these companies can start, you know, taking very comp- complicated systems and, and giving people very simple, actionable insights. Yeah, I've had experience with Viome in the past, both myself and with my clients. And what they found is, is that when they eat aligned to Viome's recommendations, their energy levels start increasing massively. Um, so I think anything that these organizations can do to give you sort of data-enabled insights, but actually give you the actions to take off the back of it, then it becomes a lot more powerful for people. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I think that's why, you know, if... if I think early on, you know, when you're getting with the microbiome testing, whether it's Viome, there's there's some other companies um, even before now. Um, they, you know, it would just give you the 
information. You can get it like, well, I don't even know if Volume gives you the raw data, but there are other ones that would give you all your raw, all the raw data. Um, the problem is it's like all this data that we don't even really know what a lot of it even means. Or um, mm. we, have, we have the technology to sequence all this stuff, but we don't, but the science, until science goes in and figures out like what things map to some ish, like condition or predisposition. Um, but I do think giving someone like who doesn't have to be tech, you know, a technology person, doesn't have to be data driven, just says, I did the test. I know that I'm getting, like you said, an insight that I know is going to make me feel like I have more energy. And that's, you know, and, and that's something where maybe today, maybe they're, they're overcoming some issues. They have to modify their diet because maybe someone like is like, you know, well, I put butter in my coffee and it says I can't have butter, you know, aggressive butter. And it's like, yeah, right now it's irritating something in your system that's not, you need to cut back on it. In six months, though, it may be like one of your the superfoods or whatever that you can do. But as of right now, you need to like this is the way your body's responding to things. And people often, you know, when it goes against their sort of initial or current beliefs, they get a little, um, you know, worked up about it. But it's um, but you have to realize like you know the body like we're always changing, and so to get yourself to where you want to be, sometimes you have to cut things out or make some changes. And it's not a permanent change; it could be a temporary change. Bob, what's the weirdest experiment that you've done? The weirdest. The weirdest, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's, there's some that are just, I guess, quirky, like, uh, these are more just like, uh, trying to understand myself better. So this is more kind of, a kind of, I guess I've done a couple of experiments where I just want to understand my body's response to different situations. So I, I've done experiments where, uh, I would track my body's physiological response. Like I would go to like an IMAX sci-fi movie and just have all, where be tracking a bunch of things and then. I would measure my body's response throughout the movie. So let's say it's action packed or big scary you or whatever. And I wanted to, I wanted to see, I just wanted to see like what, like it was interesting to see. Cause like I realized how this is being used now by marketers and things too. They can trigger a response in the body. So like, you know, and so I was measuring, you know, just how my stress levels would change through a movie or my heart rate would slow down. It was a really like tense scene. You're, you're very focused and, um, just seeing like things like uh, galvanic skin response, which is like, you know, kind of sweat perspiration. It's another kind of sign of, of proxy of like uh, nervousness or um, stress. And, um, and so, yeah, I would, and it was cool to like, cause if you, you know, if you, t- if you actually knew the storyline of the movie, you can look at the, the data and see the, the scenes and be like, what happened here? What happened here? And maybe it was a part where it was like really boring. And I was like, yeah, nothing's really going on there. I've also done the similar experiments with gambling. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Just, uh, just seeing how my body responds to things like winning and losing and, and anticipation and all of that, um, which is kind of, you know, just, again, these are, you know, what do I do with that information? It's, you know, I guess for gambling, it could probably show like, can I figure out what my tells are if I'm playing poker against somebody? For me, I think when gambling, it was almost like I was, when you look at like kind of stress levels and all that, it was actually, it was weird. It was like, if I lost, I wasn't. It, it, my stress level, it was, it was actually not as worried about losing as I was more excited by winning. So it wasn't like stress brought me like really low. It was actually like the highs of winning were much higher than the offset by the, the lows of losing. And um, which is, you know, again, it's just understanding how our bodies react to things and our psychology or physiology. Um, you know, but there's like weird things. I mean, there's things that I guess I don't consider weird that people probably would, you know, who are maybe tracking like, um, we talk a lot about things like, you know, when we say microbiome testing, right? What are we doing? Mm. Stool testing, right? <laughs> We're measuring yeah. the stool. So, you know, there's, but, but you, but like in certain cultures, like stool, like they actually, it tells a lot about your health too. Like in terms of, um, there's a, something called the, um, the, the bristle stool scale where yeah. basically you can assess things like, you know, your digestion. You can see if like 
things are normal, it's out of whack um, based on your diet or you're getting sick or other issues. Um, and, um, and, you know, that's something that people can track. There's actually, it's a scale of like one to five, basically. And, and um, people do that often where they're trying to diagnose, like if they've got some digestive issues or um, even more extreme things uh, where, you know, they're dealing with one, one degree constipation, one degree you know, diarrhea. I often try to look for things that are like, what's a proxy to another piece of data. So, you know, you can do all sorts of lab testing, spend lots of money, but I realize like there's certain things that we can do that like, uh, like I use for longevity. Uh, a lot of research has shown because it's a very easy study to do is um, grip strength translates into really correlates really well with things like longevity. And, and you can get like a little hand um, dynamometer, which doesn't cost that much money. And you can just basically do a couple of grip tests every you know day, do one in the morning, one in the evening, both, you know, be, your dominant hand will be stronger, but it maps to these population studies that show um, kind of where you're at. And so I think it, you know, for people that want to assess over the years, like where you're at, grip strength is kind of like a nice, like a simple proxy there. Um, and I, and there's another, um, a simple sensor I have that's, that um, slip, it, it looks like, it looks like a pulse oximeter, but it's actually measuring um, what's called pulse wave velocity. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a proxy to arterial stiffness. So, so the same way, again, it's another, it's another way to kind of correlate cardiovascular, um, health. So, uh, perhaps if you're, um, you'll notice like if you're sedentary or you start exercising more or more, more cardiovascular, um, you know, training and stuff like that, you, you'll see that, that your pulse wave velocity, um, will change, it'll move in a positive direction, but it's, it's not something that you can necessarily, again, it's not a day to day thing. It's a trend. Um, mm. but it's, um, but it's a cool, like if you're going to think of like, what are some nice proxies to other, you know, like actually like blood sugar, heart rate variability trends and pulse wave velocity, those types of things are, you know, and obviously there's, you can go into blood testing, look at inflammatory markers and all that. But, um, I, you know, yeah. So there's like all sorts of things you can measure out there. But, um, I I think often we're looking for like, what's the, you know, what's the simple thing I just see if I just check this one or two things, like what's going to give me a sign or a, a gauge of where I am, you know? And I think, um, that's what a lot of this is about is trying to figure out what those, you know, those nice little proxies are that give us a general, general sense of things. Nice. That's a great idea, Bob. Bob, we've spoken about sort of how I phrased this and the, the weirder things that you've done, which don't sound weird to me at all, but have any of your experiments gone wrong? I do a lot of sort of self experiments and all these types of things, but I research the hell out of things and I always weigh the risk reward to things. So it's one thing, you know, say like, yeah, I'm just going to do it. Cause why not? Um, I often will say like, okay, I'm there's potential risk here. Let me mitigate whatever that is. And it could be something as yeah. simple as like, Oh, you know, there's a needle and you could get an infection. So have to make sure that things are sterile. Right? So, yeah. um, uh, I would say, you know, that most of the things that have gone wrong are often where you have an unexpected detox reaction. So, you're you're triggering some response in the body that has a huge detoxification, which basically just means you're gonna feel like you're gonna feel like crap for like a while. Yeah. And and I've had that happen with uh, num- like oxygen exposure. I've had that like, like concentrated oxygen, ozone, um, sauna, like extreme sauna stuff. Um, certain supplements will tr- you know and and so I just learned to, you know I'm I go into it knowing like that's a potential of, like something that would happen and I and I know it's a temporary thing and so uh, you know it's not it's not necessarily putting me at any risk, but it's just like, ah, you know, you're like, ah, I just, you know, now I knock myself out for a day. I'm going to, I feel like, you know, I feel terrible, but I'll, you know, I'll be fine, you know, like in, in another day or so. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but I've, you know, but there's it, been some funny stories where, um, you know, a lot of us experiment with, or use like, um, 
like uh, light therapy or photobiomodulation. Yeah. Um, you know, we use that to shine on our bodies. We feel charged up or we use it, you know, some people like to use it for more for skin, you know, collagen production. Mm. But um, I've done things where I've shined the lights on my scalp and the, some of the powerful, more powerful lights will get into, but they'll go through the skull and they can get to your brain. Um, and I think I, I, there was one time in particular where like, I know I did a session. Um, I overdid it, I guess, um, because I, I did the session and then all of a sudden I went to go do work. I'm sitting at my computer and I was like getting, I was sending off some emails and at one point I kind of like, you know, do like a double take and I looked down at what I was typing and it was complete gibberish. Like I basically, <laughs> I had like scrambled like whatever in my head, but it, you know, it was like, you know, 20 minutes later it started like going away, but I, you know, it was, I didn't realize it until I was actually like, um, you know, typing out these emails and just realizing like I, something was just something I upregulated something or <laughs> scrambled something and it, um, <laughs> but it's a temporary, you know, it's a temporary thing. It wasn't, uh, no long-term issues. I think it's. I think it's a really good point, though, and it's something that Ben and I always stress. You know, make sure you do your research before you try anything new, because you know, as we said at the start, we're all biologically different, and we'll all respond to different things in different ways. So, just you know, be careful, do your research, and start slowly is our advice. Yeah, and depending on what it is, I mean, the risk reward. I mean, if, yeah. if risk if the risk is too high, well. If there's a risk that's high and you still are something, something you're interested in, then I'd always say to people like, you know, you can work, find some supervision. <laughs> you know, I, you know, you can find certain, you know, doctors like, um, like a lot of people are getting into peptides now and, mm. um, and, you know, and there's, and even there, like, you know, I, it's quality and sourcing. It's like, I'm, I was very, I did a ton, ton of research because I was like, I'm not going to buy cheap peptides from certain, you know, parts of the world where you don't know if the, the lab reports they include with them are completely made up. Um, mm. So even with something like that, it's like, okay, the worst, you know, perhaps there's heavy metals and things. So worst cases, you can really screw yourself up. The lesser worst case could be that it just has no effect because you're buying something that's not authentic. It's not actually what it says. Mm. Um, but I've seen certain things, even with the peptides, there's like one called melanotan that will actually turn on your, your pigments in your skin. And so I had a friend who's very fair skinned and he's got red hair and, and some freckles. And he was like, ah, I want to get a suntan in the summer. I never tan. I only burn. So he, he did a cycle of this melanotan peptide and it basically, cause he was a redhead and it turned his red hair brown and it's just all the freckles on his body, um, got really dark. So he did, it did, um, create the desire to, you know, there's an effect that it said it would do, but he didn't realize like he would look as, you know, the way it did, but it was, a it's, it's, a, it, it works very similar to like a suntan that will go back after a certain amount of time. But it was just another one of those things where, um, <laughs> you know, I imagine it created some funny, uh, <laughs> Are you dyed your hair? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I went back after a month. Yeah. Brilliant. So if somebody's interested in starting to, quantify themselves and start to track some of their own biomarkers where would you recommend people start things like sleep and activity in terms of like and this is something you can get with any sort of activity fitness tracker just start collecting that information be more aware of your trends so let's even if you're not worrying about sleep stages or things like that just understanding like what time are you going to bed what time are you waking up each day um is there consistency there are, are you, you know, these concepts of things like sleep debt and, and like, are you, you know, are you sleeping three hours a day during the week? And on, on the weekend, you, you're in bed for 12 hours because you're just, your body is just like broken down. These are really interesting insights, things that you should know. Um, activities. I mean, you know, we could talk about things like steps and all that. And, you know, a lot of people, I think 
it could be a motivating factor for certain people if they just want to get more active. And so no, don't worry if it says, you know, 10,000 steps. To me, what's more important is whatever number your baseline was and you add 20% to it, that just means like, hey, you're, you did 20% a little more. You know, it's an easy win to kind of say I've, I've increased it, um, uh, kind of do that. Uh, something like heart rate variability is, uh, is, is a good one because it's easy. It's very easy to track. And I think it, it's something that you can get some insights back for. And again, when I talk about you sort of being more in touch with your own body, uh, it's something where you can kind of wake up and kind of be like, well, how do I feel today? And maybe you feel very refreshed and then you'll see like, does that map to the data and to the trends? Um, you know, other, other people will, um, it, it depends if they're, if they're trying to just understand themselves a little better versus resolving some things. I mean, I think a lot of people, especially executives and people in, in you know, kind of, trying to be high performers, you know, we're, we're often, you know, they're going to say like, I sleep, like I sleep terribly. I'm super stressed out. Um, I need, you know, I need to lose a few pounds. Those are typically the three, three sort of things. And, um, so, you know, obviously just body composition, get a, get a, uh, like a smart scale, just start tracking, you know, have those baselines and you don't even have to look at it obsessively every day. It just takes like a minute, just do it consistently. Like whatever time of day you're going to take that measurement, um, whether it's like right when you wake up or after, you know, after food or coffee or before, you know, using the bathroom, um, that's fine. And then I'd say, um, you know, that's pretty much, uh, some people will do things like if I'm working with like a helping people out or a client or a friend, uh, and let's say their goals are like, you know, body composition and all that, we'll, we'll have them keep like a meal log. Um, I often just have people take photos of their meals. It's all timestamp. Um, you know, if, uh, I built an app a while back that like basically just lets me upload pictures. I don't want to count calories. I'm not, I'm not big into like the, you know, I, I just think the, you can learn a lot just from the photos because I can see the time of day. I can see when the person always eats that later snack. I can always see when, you know, if someone's skipping a meal or the, the portion sizes are off or whatever. So um, I, I do use a, like a tool like my fitness pal, like maybe once a year or so just as like a, for a few days, like three days for just, just for like a, just to check where my, where things are at. I usually don't, if I'm making a change to my diet, like a, let's say I want to, my goal is okay. You know, it's, I want it for the next three months. I want to, I want to put on a little bit of muscle, extra muscle and all that. So I might change my macros around a little bit. So I just want to see what was I eating, count those up a bit. Um, but yeah, I think for most people we can use these tools that are, um, you know, low, low friction. That's the main thing I'd say, you know, you want, you don't want something that takes, it's too much of a burden. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that people can start simple. I mean, even like glucose tracking, it's sort of like, it's easy to do. Anyone can start doing it. Uh, but again, what are the insights? What are the actual insights they're going to get? They might say like, I'm looking at my, my levels when I you know, fasted every morning. Um, and you know, am I, am I in a pre-diabetic range? Well, that's an important number to know. Like, cause you might go to the once a year and go get, you know, your, uh, blood test and, and they say, you know, you're fine because at least in the United States, like the ranges are not, what, what, what matches up with the longevity um, groups and, 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 they'll, and they'll say you're fine, fine, fine until all of a sudden they're going to say, oh, you have uh, you know, type 2 diabetes, but like, there's that range in the middle where you're, you're going from green to yellow to red and, um, and, it, and that's something that happens over decades, basically, years and decades. And uh, So being just aware of where you're at with those things, um, it's just a nice insight. Um, just to be able to say like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing fine things like, you know, tracking your personal glucose response to foods and all that. I think that's a little more advanced. I think you don't need to be there right away. I, I just think having some basic, basic understanding of yourself and, and where you're at, um, even if you're doing blood work, like, you know, you're not, most people are not going to know how to interpret their own lab test results. So they're going to, but they'll get the lab test. Keep in mind, often the reference ranges on the blood tests 
that come from the labs are not, again, they're, they're, they can vary. And if, and if you go into longevity circles, they'll actually show you, um, the reference ranges or what they, or what they feel are kind of more optimal. So the value you have might look good on one reference range, but actually might not be as great on, on another. Um, but, but yeah, I think, you know, it's really, I think the idea is to start, just start simple. Um, you, you have to, uh, kind of not, not, um, get a million things, a million devices. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. I get to play with a lot of cool devices and technologies, but, um, it's kind of like, it's, it's more advanced. It's like start off, you know, it's like before you drive the Tesla, it's like, go learn how to drive a stick shift. Right. It's easy to find my, my website, my blog, where I document a lot of this is uh, quantifiedbob.com. So it's pretty straightforward. And if you go on to social media, like Instagram, it's just quantified, quantified Bob. Um, you know, I, I, I'm in the process of, of, of building some tools and technologies um, around uh, basically making making some of this stuff accessible and easy for people uh, that aren't you know aren't data driven. So like, uh, I have a myself and, and a friend started a little. It started as a side project. Now we're doing a little more with it. It's called Awesome Labs. And so um, if you go to um, isjustawesome.com, you'll see some of the things we built. Um, so first one was the meal tracking sort of app. Uh, another thing that we launched is a, actually a, uh, it's a, it's a breath work app, uh, but not, not trying to be meditation mindfulness. It's actually lets you dial in the different inhale, exhale, hold duration times. It's, it's a utility. You can keep it. You can actually like have it off and in silent mode and it'll vibrate and just tell you when to do your patterns and, you know, and things like that. So I, it was something I built originally for myself because I wanted a tool. I couldn't find something I liked. Um, and so we're, we're building some really cool things. Did I see Bob that you have a gym or a center in new york so the, the facility opened up in new york city i guess it's kind of like the first um biohacking fitness based mm-hmm. recovery of facility it's called hacked fitness um yeah started by a friend of mine uh, a year ago i i had some of uh, a different equipment that i was just using for myself and friends and, and another location they let they allowed me to kind of move my, some of my stuff there so i'm i'm just really good friends with them i've been supporting them since they launched um but it's uh it's really cool it's all about data-driven exercise and um, uh, recovery. So you've probably seen these facilities sort of these types of facilities are starting to pop up around the world. Um, where you kind of go in and in 25 minutes, you basically get a week's worth of exercise, like using this, um, precision computer controlled, like strength training devices. Um, and on the recovery side, there's other tools. Cause I do think, you know, the recovery is just, if not more important than the training side. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's been great to just have access, you know, to th- this type of facility. Um, so I, it allows me to just um, be able to like apply a lot of the things I, I like to do, and, and um, whether I'm you know training myself or helping out other people. Yeah, brilliant. Do they have ARX there? Exactly. Yeah. So on the strength side, they've got they've got the ARX machines there. Mm. Um, on the cardiovascular side, there's a uh, AI driven sort of it looks like a spin bike called Carol that um, essentially gives you a. A, a, like an hour workout uh, basically if you went out for a run you, in, tw- in, in less than 10 minutes by just doing these two uh 20 second sprints it's like super efficient um yeah and so there's uh training or rec- like that kind of stuff um all sorts of modalities and tools for for measurement and quantification um i i have some of my equipment there it's more around oxygen training um yeah so there's a, a system called livo2 that um i yeah and so for me that's like um it's been i i I, it's my glue for everything else I do. It's like a nice, nice thing to throw in there and into the mix. But, um, but yeah. And so like, it's really great that these types of facilities are opening. Cause um, I mean, obviously 
these are things you couldn't necessarily have in your home. They're just these, these machines, like the ARX machines are like, you know, you know, they're just, they're just big and you can, you can barely get them into a building. So, um, you know, so it's, so the fact that it's becoming accessible, you know, where anyone can just go and kind of start training and you only have to train for, you know, 25 minutes, basically of strength training a week. And your, your body is broken down enough to where, you know, you, you, it, you feel like you're not working out enough, but then you wait, you go wait a week, you go back again, you realize the gains you've made in the strength. Gains. Yeah. So Bob, um, if you were to give three tips to any executive that's looking to, improve their personal and professional performance, what would they be? Three tips. Yeah, just um, yeah, three tips. Everybody hates this question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, well, okay. So the first one I guess I could think of would be, it's actually three in one in a way, but maybe we'll just count it as one. I don't know. You tell me. Um, there's, there's like a, there's this quote that I kind of use as one of my mantras. Um, and you, you've probably heard it before where they, they, they tell people like you sh everyone should find three hobbies, one that makes you money, one that makes you healthy and one that makes you creative. And I feel like for me throughout my life, like I, I'm, I guess, you know, for, it, it's something that's carried through where, you know, we're all busy and focused on business and I, in the ideal world, you can combine all three, but even mm -hmm. let's say you separate them. Like, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always been doing things. Um, you know, the healthness and wellness has always been a very big focus in my life. And, um, creatively like i you know i've been a musician playing in bands and stuff like you know 20 plus years so the outlets having those outlets and pieces i feel um it, it makes you feel fulfilled and not uh it gives you other ways to apply your your, your brain and <laughs> doing different things so um I, I i just feel like people they, they they're so driven by one thing um that yeah i i i just feel like you need to have these other outlets and and maybe someone feels like they're not creative but it could be just another, you know, industry hobby that, you know, it does, it, they might realize if it is creative in a way, like there could be someone like I, I even things like writing software. I mean, it's very creative in a way. Um, I, I enjoy it. <laughs> um, I would say, uh, no, um, if I had another one, I mean, again, these are just things I kind of learned and applied to myself. Um, I mean, especially when you talk about things like stress, like I just learned not to really sweat the small stuff. Like, um, when in a situation where you you can easily just get triggered or like get get worked up, um, I, I always say, okay, is this a situation that is out of my control or something I'm I'm in control? So, people, an example I'll give someone would be like, um, you know, you're you get stuck in line at a at a store, you know, it's, it's slow. It's like, well, you know, who, you know, okay, is it just a busy hour or whatever? You know, is it something like why am I going to get angry if I or people who go to the airport a flight gets canceled and they start yelling at the ticketing agent? You know, it's like, but it's the weather. It's like, you know, it's a, there's a snowstorm outside. Like, it's not like you. Yeah, it's 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 not good. It's you know, it kind of sucks. But you're, you're redirecting anger at other things that you just can't control. And um, so that, and and along those lines, I say if there's a third one, um, I learned that. The, the concept of willpower and decision making, I, I view it like a gas tank. Uh, it's, it's a it's a fixed resource. So you have so many decisions you have to make throughout the day, especially as a someone in business or whatever. You're you're constantly putting out fires, you're making all these decisions. And so we have to re realize is you know, and this these are the types of for people who are more like these micromanagers. You have to realize like save your save your willpower, your decision making for the important stuff. If there's things that you can that you know less important, even if you don't agree with the decision. I would say like you can delegate that stuff out and if it doesn't put your entire business at risk or you're just a lesson, you know, let other people be able to make those, some of those decisions, you know, and, and, and if the risk is not great, you know, don't feel like you have to make every single decision because then you're worn out by the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've even, 
I've even measured some of these things. Like there's, there's a device called the brain gauge where it's a cognitive assessment tool. And I've done tests in the morning and in the evening to see like where my scores went. I was pretty much really high on all these other categories, but there's a, there's a fatigue metric. And you would see the fatigue metric in the evening, just be like, you see it go down. It's like, is your body, you know, you, just, you spent the whole day. So the idea is minimizing that fatigue, uh, maintaining the willpower um, in your decision making. Thanks, Bob. And like to just say, I'm really grateful for you uh, coming on the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. I'd like to thank Bob for his time and his amazing insights. Remember, if you would like to access our content one week before it's released, please leave your details at www.upgradedexecutive.com forward slash subscribe and we will send you a special link so you can access the videos one week before we officially release them. You can also follow us on all of our social channels at Connect with UE and also our website at www.upgradedexecutive.com.